Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. I seem to be the only pastor of this church who doesn't work with hands. Because both my hands are left. <laughs> no, I, I, I just give them tools and carry boxes. That's all I know how to do. Ooh. Somebody got offended. No. Oh, it's Parker. All right. Uh, we are in the middle of the... Actually, we're coming close to the end of our series. We, we named Unleashed. We titled them Unleashed. And by Unleashed, we meant that usually, Neil and I, we do series of messages. We... We pursue certain topics and we unfold them in a series of messages. And we thought, you know what? Every once in a while, we feel like the Lord really puts like standalone message on our heart. And we would like to, to be free to release it. And we thought, how about we start doing it in autumn, like in the fall, beginning from September. So we decided to do the series of non-series, Unleashed. So Neil is Unleashed, Dennis is Unleashed. And we're like, yay. <laughs> Here's the problem. <laughs> We found that we're totally leashed. <laughs> like uh, two weeks ago, I, I, I delivered a message. It triggered something in Neil, and he couldn't preach on anything else. He started building on that message, his next message. And that triggered something in me, and today I'm building on top of that. So like, what are we doing? It was like those, you know, dogs that they use in the north to travel on the snow. And you unleash those beautiful huskies, and those two huskies go like, ah! What are you doing here? <laughs> like, I see Neil running right next to me. I'm breathing down his neck. We're like, ah, oh, we're leashed again. Well, anyway, it's a good, good kind of being leashed. It's leashed by the Spirit of God. All right. This is good stuff. It tells me that God is leading His church. It's His church. It's not our church. It's not your church. It's His church. He's speaking. Praise the Lord. So, all right. So today I would like to start, and the, the title of my message today, God's Mission for You. God's Mission for You. And I would like to start with drawing your attention to, to the fact that I think is I, many people in this part of the world, especially in the United States of America, identify themselves as Christians. I mean, not as many as in 60s and 70s of last century, still a lot. But if you look carefully at this big camp of people calling themselves Christians, you will quickly uh, distinguish three specific camps, three specific kinds of Christians. And I'm going to unfold it, and I'm going to talk to you, and I want you to think, where am I in this spectrum? What camp do I belong to? And is it really where I want to remain? So, as you know me, I'm a preacher of the gospel of grace. So, if you hear something that sounds like an accusation or condemnation, that's a filters in your ears. That's not me speaking. Take them out. All right? And if you have a hard time taking them out, just keep coming to this church. Religious detox is coming. All right. So these three categories, it's funny because all of them, they identify themselves as Christians. They believe in personal God. They believe that God created this world. So this world is not an accident. It's, it's like things that happen in this world. They have a rhyme and reason behind them. 
It's purposeful. It's intentional. All of them share this belief. They also believe that God engages in people's lives. He manifests. He reveals himself. He engages himself on a regular basis. He, he manifests himself as a personal God. But they are still very different, these three kinds of Christians, these three groups of Christians. And I'll just call them group one, group two, group three. And Neil suggested I use a label word so that it's easy to identify. So the biggest group, group number one, they take God primarily as a mental concept. God is a big idea in their mind. And their faith is primarily aimed at collecting information about God. They are eager to learn new things about God. And, but the truth is, if they're honest with themselves, if they look, they, their faith is primarily a mental exercise. So we can use a label word or hashtag, uh, cerebral Christians or mental Christians, mental faith. So the biggest concern is like, how do I reconcile these Things that I learned about God. So they come to, and they love to come to churches where the pastors are very intellectual. They have PhD or something like that. And, and pastors help them to understand how to reconcile different things about God. And which is good. It, there's a, there, is a, there is a relative value of this approach. And honestly, I'll tell you, this is the biggest camp of Christians in today's America. Would you agree with that? Like, they, they want to know things about God. They want to talk about God. They want to collect the truths about God. They want to study the Bible to learn things about God. And every once in a while, they have a problem. How do you reconcile this side of God to this side of God? And a good preacher in their book explains to them how to do that and how to harmonize that, how to reconcile that. But let me tell you something. This is very subpar to the call of God to Christians. I'm sorry to say that, but like... And one brother in our church said, like, be careful with this message because you might leave an impression on people that you're preaching elitism. Like there's, there's a popular version of Christianity and there's a like elite group of Christians. I'm not preaching that. And you will understand why I'm not preaching that. I'm just preaching to coming back to normal. The biggest doesn't mean it's normal. If a majority of people practices something wrong and you know it's wrong, it doesn't become normal. Especially in God's book. So, so that's group number one, like mental Christians. Group number two, there's a second group, much smaller. They have learned to drop the content of their knowledge about God a few inches down. And they, they allowed the knowledge of the things of God to affect, impact penetrate their emotions you know that you're an emotional being do you know that you know emotions are important it's a big part of you it's a big part of your identity it's a big part of your heart God wired you to be a wholehearted worshiper of him and the 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 sad thing is that very few Christians learn to worship God from the bottom of their hearts 
You know, if something is really important to you and you begin to talk about it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get passionate about it. The other, the other night we had Joyce with us and she started talking. And like before she was, oh, I'm so loud. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, Joyce, you're talking from the heart. You're talking about things that are really important to you. You cannot be otherwise. Have you ever been to Ohio State game? They know how to worship. If you are a Christian who went to Ohio State game and you wholeheartedly did, yes! And you come here and you go, look, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Something's wrong. You disconnected. Big chunk of your being is not engaged in your faith in God. So I'm sorry for being loud, by the way. Like Joyce. <laughs> So, but uh, <laughs> you need to learn to drop your knowledge of God and to let your, your emotions to be engaged. And I call this as a second group of this camp, people who identify them, themselves as Christians. We call them like heart Christians or worshipers. Or, you know, when you learn to do that, when you learn to engage your emotions and your faith in God, you know what's going to happen you're going to become a Christian who experiences encounters with God on a regular basis. If you learn to engage your heart, your emotions, your feelings, and your faith in God, you will, begin to you will begin to like and enjoy prayer. Because prayer begins not a duty, not something that you must or have to do. It becomes a point in space and time when you encounter God on a regular basis you begin to like worship you begin to love worship because it becomes a sacred space and time when you step out of time and space into eternal dimension and you touch eternity and you let this eternity touch your heart and you look at these people and you realize wow God must be real for them And I'm so happy because, and again, just like I said, all three groups are represented here in this hall. But a lot of you have moved from group number one or you're moving to group number two. And this is a good church to be if you want to make this move. Because it's really hard when you do it on your own. It's much easier when there is a culture already established. And there is a culture established here when people come and they stop being so self-aware. They stop caring what would others think of me, what would other people would think of me. They begin to pour out their heart to the Lord. And they, on a regular basis, they experience encounters with God here. Can I hear an amen from those who have experienced that? That is wonderful. So, hashtag heart Christians or encounter Christians. These are Christians who, who don't only... Talk about intellectual knowledge of God. They have experienced God on a regular basis. And this is so much closer to what God wants for all of his children. Though there is no ground for elitism. It's not for special people. It's not for special. I, some people say, well, these guys, they, they experience God. I don't. I just might have be, I must be dull of feelings or something. Something must be wrong with you. No, nothing's wrong with you, my brother, my sister. That's exactly God's plan. You're designed to worship God and you're fully capable. If you have ever felt strongly about anything in your life, you're capable to engage your feelings with God and encounter God in your soul. 
But it's still not quite to the level of God's design for you and me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm touching microphone. There is a group number three. And my hope for you and me to move there. And in fact, I know, I know for a fact that some of you have already been taking steps into moving into the third group of Christians. These are Christians that not only believe about God in their mind, not only can say certain things and, and transfer information about God. They're not only those who experience God coming to them and touching them and they're interacting with God. and They can hear God now. They hear His voice. They worship. They actually moving into the camp of Christians. The smallest the rarest where when they're walking in this life and do whatever they do in life on a weekly basis they allow the presence of God that is within them to be spilled over to people around them and it's no longer subjective experience in their soul it actually comes as a tangible reality to other people's lives that have never experienced God before. That is not for special people. That is for you. That is for every Christian, every child of God. To know God, to experience God, and to make this experience available to others. To bring this experience to other people. That is very simple, people. Very simple. So, these Christians... They participate in the move of God on this earth. And other people begin to recognize the presence of God attached to you. There's more to Mike than Mike. You may know Mike because he's a hometown boy. He was raised and born. Were you born here? Yeah. But the moment he received the Spirit of God in him, there is a new reality that came and attached itself to him. And now this reality can manifest itself through him. That's true about every single child of God. So we call them presence Christians, a.k.a. missional Christians, because when they step out of the, their space and time when they encounter God, they expect... God to manifest through them. They are intentional because they know something about themselves that other people might not know yet. So the question for you to ask yourself, I'm not going to ask you, ask yourself, where do I belong in this spectrum? Where, am, where do I dwell most of the times? Am I an intellectual Christian? And if you are, and if you're happy, you will probably not be happy in this church. Because we're not going to set it as a goal to answer all theological questions for you. So don't come to me with multiple questions about how are you reconcile this. I'm not very, it's, it's good. It's, re, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good pursuit. But usually, I mean, people come to me and they constantly tell me about this preacher or that book or this seminar or this... And I don't want to offend them, but I, I, I tell you from here so that you would know, most likely I will not listen to those preachers that you recommend to me to listen to. Not because I'm cocky or arrogant. It's because, like, you have too many, and there are too many of you. And I spend all of my time listening to stuff that you enjoy, right? So, but I would ask you a question. Not always, because I'm afraid to offend you. 
and I don't want to offend you, but if you're a close enough friend, I will ask you a question. So if you bring me a book and I said, oh, I used to believe this about end times. Now I, use, I believe this because I read this book and it makes more sense. My question to you would be, between that book and this book, how much your life changed as a result of change of you? And if there is no change, what's the point? So why do you want to keep coming to a church that keeps feeding you that stuff that doesn't affect your life? I'm so glad you're here. Am I a good salesman for our church? Because <laughs> I can sell well things that I believe. I have a horrible salesman for things that I don't believe. Well, anyway, it's not about me. So uh, I'm so glad you guys, a lot of you, you're, you have moved through camp number one from being just mental, intellectual collectors of information about God into camp number two when you experience God when you worship and pray. But I really want all of us, and that's our goal. That's Pastor Neil's goal. That's my goal. That's Wes's goal. That's a lot of our goal. That's God's goal for you to move you from mental exercises to personal and experiential encounters in your soul and even in your body sometimes your body can respond to God's presence and from those encounters actually to move to regular outpourings of the Spirit through you to other people's lives God wants you and me to become carriers of his reality his personal presence to other people so don't settle for anything less than that please don't all right and here I want to give you an important theological correction. Some theology is good. Not all theology is useless. Here's a good piece of theology that you really need to get down because it will remove some of the block, blockages that you have. A lot of people subconsciously, they believe, they picked it up somewhere by reading some Christian books that when Jesus was on this earth, he did a lot of miracles as God. That is not biblical. Do you know that? Jesus, every single miracle, every single time he engaged with people and he released the presence of God, a man, human being, a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth did that. I'm going to read you a couple of passages. Acts 22, the very first preaching about Jesus to Israelites. Peter is preaching and he says, Man of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth... A man attested to you by God. Do you see the distinction there? A man attested to you by God with mighty works and with wonders and with signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourself know. The second passage is even more clear. Acts chapter 10 verses, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. I'll read it again. Listen carefully. How God anointed. You know what anointed is? To put some oil. That was, a, that was a act of faith in the Old Testament. To deposit power of God to do certain things. To accomplish certain assignment. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus, as a result of being anointed, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. You hear that? That's how Jesus did it. That's how God wants to do stuff in this world. 
So that people would recognize, oh, God must be with this dude. He's weird, but God must be with him. So a few weeks ago, I brought John Rogers to this stage, and I had him to share how he has been Christian, has been a Christian for many years, but in recent years, he really began to see God doing stuff through him. And you know what? He said this, and it might sound very offensive to you if you're religious. He said, today, I'm just quoting him, one-third of my prayers for healing gets answered. It's not 100%. But my goodness, it's so much better than nothing. One-third of every prayer I pray for people for, for healing gets answered. And he said, I'm not talking about like minor things like runny nose or headache. He said, I prayed for a woman with a huge tumor in her uretus and it, it just dissolved, it disappeared. They came to a doctor and said, it's gone. There's a mark left, but there's gone. And she had been able to have babies after that. Well, anyway... Things are happening. And you know what? Yeah, that's awesome. Look, I want to say just like Peter said about John, Jesus, I can say how God, how God anointed John of Los Angeles. He is originally from Los Angeles. You know who come from Los Angeles, strange people. But God, God, and I'm sorry, I had to. I'm, I live in Ohio now. But God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and he goes around healing people who are oppressed by the devil, and it's happening. You know, Neil tells me that he's been, he's been in ministry for 35 years or something, but this last five years, he's going around, and he delivers people who are oppressed by the devil, and he brings, brings them into freedom of the gospel, they, they are restored because God anointed him with the Holy Spirit in power. So that's God's idea. So I want you to reconcile these two things in your mind. So when you read about the miracles of Jesus, that's exactly the pathway for you and me. Listen what C.S. Lewis said. I'm going to have this quote on the screen. The church exists for nothing else but to draw man into Christ. To make them little Christs. I'll read it again. See, that's C.S. Lewis. You can't tell him he's a heretic. You can tell me, Dennis, you're a heretic. No, you can't blame this guy. Every pastor in America quotes him. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. To make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other reason. <laughs> so how did Jesus, as a human being like us, how did he do that? I want to point out to you two things that were ironclad. Is that a word? Is it ironclad? They were firmly established in the forefront of his consciousness as a human being. And they should be in you. You should be firmly established in them. One, Jesus constantly insisted on his being one with the Father. He was the only person who boldly claimed and insisted and declared that he and the Father are one. There is no separation. There is no gap. There is no distance. I and the Father are one. 
And also, he was established firmly that he is on a mission. Nothing is random. He is sent by God. He constantly insisted on these two things. And my friend, if you are to step and move from camp number two, when you just uh, intermittently experience God in your soul, to see God moving through you and releasing his power and his presence, his reality, you need to become like Jesus. You need to be established in these two things. You're one with the Father now in Christ. There is no more distance. If you're still trying to cover the gap, you will never see God move through you. Or you will see very little. You need to receive, believe the gospel. You need to be established in it. You need to be as bold, as courageous, and as offensive to religious people as Jesus was. You should be happy that there is no distance between you and God anymore. There's no, there's zero, there's no shred of distance between you and God. That's, that's the gospel. That's the good news for you. And the second thing you need to learn about yourself, that you are on a mission from God. You're sand. You're not a random dude from Springfield, Ohio. I'm not a random dude with a Russian accent. I'm sent here from heaven. I was born in a specific place. I was raised in a specific life circumstances just like you. But you should never be like those people in Nazareth. When they knew Jesus as a homeboy and they said, well, sounds cool what he's saying. But we know him. He can't be one with God. He's just a hometown boy. He can't be sent from God. He's, he's from our village for God's sake. Don't be that to yourself. Don't be that to yourself. There is more to you than you recognize. And some of you have a hard time believing that and receiving that. That's why you got to stay in this church because we're going to preach the gospel to you. We're going to pickle you in the gospel juice. You're going to bask yourself. You're going to pickle yourself so it just oozes out of you no matter where you go. And the first sign that you started getting the gospel, you start smiling more often. And that's a bad thing when Russian tells you you got to smile. <laughs> you, gotta, you will laugh more often. You will be happy. You will be easygoing. You will strive no longer. One thing you will strive to stop striving. To enter into the rest of the gospel. I am one with the Father. I'm okay. God is no longer a source of threat to you. Hey. Hello. My pastor my first pastor used to do that. It must be from him somewhere. Hello. Yeah. God is no longer a source of threat or danger or guilt or condemnation or guilt trips or, or constantly striving to match. He is not someone who will like you one day when you clean up. No, he likes you now. And out of this amazing life... You step out. You, first of all, this amazing thing brings encounters to you. Because you're no longer expecting to bring God down, to, to bring this gap to nothing by your prayers and whatever you're doing. You are in it. Do you hear me? You're not outside. You're in. The biggest lie that devil puts on your ears and your eyes that you're outside. You're far away. God is far away. Oh, you must have done something horrible. There's no presence of God in your life. Do you remember the last time when Neil 
preached. He said, I was at the bottom of hell, believing the lies the devil put on my, in my ears and in my mind, and somebody recognized the presence of God on me. They saw the truth more than he saw the truth about himself. And I'm sorry for yelling again, but I told you why I do that. Because I believe this is important. This is important for you. I want to see you move from camp number one to camp number two. And I want to see you move from camp number two to camp number three. So that you're so bold and courageous and joyful and, and just peaceful. And so confident and so irritating to religious people because they're striving and you're not. <laughs> and they're trying and you're not. And they're praying for revival, for big revival to come. And you're not because you are the revival. You are the visitation of God that God is sending to other people in Springfield, Ohio. Hello. <laughs> I got a new word for us. Hello. I'll start practicing it. So Jesus insisted on his heavenly identity and on his heavenly mission. And the gospel gives you the same thing. It gives you heavenly identity now and heavenly mission now. You're more than just a boy or girl from Springfield, Ohio. You're from heaven. I'm from heaven. You're from heaven. This is so good. This is so good. I get up every morning and I feel like I'm a disciple of Christ. It's no, you know, disciples, they were doing all kinds of routines. And then Jesus called them. And they realized, oh, we're on a mission now. But we don't know exactly what the mission is going to be look like next week or next month. We just follow him. So every time I go to bed... I wake up, I'm excited because, oh, I don't know, Jesus is going to do something cool today. I don't know, maybe he'll just cast out demons or feed 5,000. Or will send me to Urbana to preach the gospel and cast out demons. I don't know, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. It's an adventure. All right, I'm getting excited and I'm taking a rabbit trails. All right. So, you're one with God in Jesus. Begin to believe it. Begin to preach it to yourself. And you are on a mission. And nothing in your life that is random. Your life is not a hodgepodge of random events and people. And you just stumble and bump into things. There's a purpose behind things that happen in your life. These guys, they recently came to our church. And they are so happy. They are so hungry. And they went online and they started listening to some of the previous messages. And Abby came to me and she said, I listened to your message about money. And it changed something in me, and I wanted to engage God, and we decided to test God with finances. And we did something, and we had a particular need. My husband needed a job. And we were getting no traction. And as soon as we took that step, the four offers came. So we had an offer now. But listen, here's what I want to say. Now as a result, they're moving to Colorado. So we're losing them. But the cool thing is that you guys are on a mission. It's not random that you're going there. So begin to ask God, like, oh, yes, Lord, you're sending us on a mission. Because we're one with God. So we go to Colorado, not just people from Ohio, but people from Ohio and people from heaven. So there are people, there are specific people that will experience the presence of God as a result of you coming there. All right? And if you're not moving to Colorado, no worries. You're still doing the same thing. You're one with God. You're, you are on a mission with God. Here's the biggest secret how it happens. 
You need to learn not only to be established, bask, pickled in that. You need to learn pay attention. Pay attention. Because how does a mission of God for you look like? It looks like the mission of Christ. And Christ described his mission by quoting Isaiah 61 in Luke 4. Do we have it on the screen, please? Luke 4. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. Because he has anointed me. Remember, God has anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim, to say something. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's your mission description. And my mission description. God is sending you. And if you keep reading Isaiah chapter 61, it talks about people who are broken who are dysfunctional, to be they are restored as, a, restored as a result of that. That's what God is doing in your and my life. That's called discipleship. You're one with God. You're on a mission with God. You're sent by God to broken people. You would say, Dennis, but I myself was broken. That's fine. Part of the gospel is that none of your brokenness is big enough to separate you from God. I'll say it again. The good news, part of the good news, that none of your dysfunctionality or brokenness is big enough to separate you from God in Christ Jesus. So last week, independently of each other, three people came to me and they shared their testimony. One of them was Abby and Jesse. One of them was uh, Brandon. God has blessed our uh, church with few first responders and uh, law enforcement officers and Brandon shared this story with me and I'm so glad because I'm, I'm so happy guys to know that not only you know about God not only you experience God when you come here and worship and you pray and you read the Bible you also experience God touching people's life and bringing his reality so Brandon is a, a sheriff deputy officer and he was doing his stuff and he had to arrest someone that's part of the job so and he said, I don't, don't remember details. I don't want to uh, twist the details because I wasn't paying attention to details. But I remember he told me he had to arrest someone. And it, well, it's part of the job. He arrested the guy. And the guy was homeless. And uh, uh, it wasn't nasty. It was okay. So he took him to jail. Later, sometime later, he saw the same guy on the street. And it was pretty cold. And he had a nudge to stop by because he felt sympathy for him. He felt compassion. It was too cold to be outside. So he pulled over and he said, hey, hi there. Remember me? Yeah, let's get in. We have some programs. I'll try to get you into a warm place for a few days so that you won't have to be outside. And this guy got in and he said, you are my guardian angel. He said, why do you say that? He said, the night you arrested me was the best thing that could ever happen to me because you brought me to jail. And there in jail, somebody preached the gospel to me, and I got saved. <laughs> yeah. But listen to this. He said, then, a few weeks later or months, I don't know, I was here on the road, and I was getting so miserable and cold. And I said, God, get me out of here. Take me to a warm, nice place where I can relax and not be so cold. And a few minutes later, you pull out and invite me. You know? And I, I started thinking, I led a number of people to the Lord through my life. Not enough. I want to bring more people to the Lord. And you know how you bring people to the Lord? You bring Lord to them. But 
we're so busy and distracted that we don't take time to do that when God is putting us right in the middle of the situation where you send us. We forget that we're on a mission. We forget that we're one with God and we forget that we're on a mission with God. So please, we're going to remind you as much as possible that you're one with God and you're on a mission with God. And you will have to learn to pay attention to small things because the big secret, I'm not going to read those scriptures, we don't have time, but the big secret, big, big secret of God moving through you is to recognize small, tiny beginnings of His move. The smallest ones. Every single person I led to the Lord was because I noticed something about that person. God drew my attention. And we can teach you practical things. Some people describe it like a nudge in the spirit. Or the other day, some people say, oh, God highlighted that person in the line in, the, in Kroger. And it can be with anywhere, anywhere with anybody. In somebody, with somebody that you have known for a while or with a total stranger in Kroger like Neil does. So, you know, Neil, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking of maybe using the prophet Elijah or Samuel as an example. And Neil said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a boy and he didn't know how to hear God's voice. And then he heard God's voice and somebody taught him how. And then he became this great prophet of God. And then I thought, no, I don't want great prophet of God from the Old Testament. I want Brandon to be an example. I want Neil to be an example. I want John to be an example. I want me to be an example. So today, we, we have one more person, right? So Neil, why don't you come and invite... Oh, Nettie. Nettie, Nettie has experienced something recently when she crossed the chicken line. Yeah, Nettie, uh, why don't you come and share with us? So this is Lynette Reed. We call her Nettie, uh, but uh, she's not nutty. She's Nettie. I think she's a little nutty, but anyway... First of all, I have to thank the Lord for having these two pastors. They are awesome. I was in Kroger's the other day, and I had to walk past all of the registers, and I heard this lady say, she said, hospice and cancer. And the Holy Spirit said, chicken line, chicken line. And I went, oh. So I kept on walking. I went out the door, and the whole way to my car, I kept, chicken line, chicken line. So I went to my car, put the groceries in, and I knew the Holy Spirit said, go find her. So I walked across the parking lot, and I just went up to this lady, and I said, ma'am, excuse me, did you say hospice? And she said, I did. And I said, can I pray for you? And it wasn't, it was her family. It wasn't her that was ill. It was all these things going on in her family. And the hospice person wasn't the cancer person who had cancer. And I said, can I, can I touch you? I laid my hand just on her arm, and I started to pray. And when I was finished, she looked at me and said, can I hug you? So she hugged me and thanked me. And I walked away from there because my pastor, Neil Haney, said, cross the chicken line. So the Holy Spirit can use all kinds of, of phrases in your life. And chicken line was one. And I'm so grateful for that. Amen. Thank you, Nettie. Okay, guys, this is an example. And all the examples that we heard from different people, this is an example of moving from intellectual to encounters to experience and of bringing his presence to other people's lives. 
God, if you're part of this church, God is inviting you to engage in the same process. This is called discipleship. This is moving from consumerism Christianity on demand to being servants of God on mission. All right? Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.